Today's scripture lesson, not that you haven't had enough scripture already today after memorizing all of those commandments, comes to us from John 15. I've actually preached that within the last year from this very pulpit, but as you know, looking at the scripture over and over again, new things come to light. The Bible is never a boring book. It is something that as you read it over and over again, has new things to tell you at new stages in your life. So we're going to read from John 15, verses 1 through 12. Would you pray with me? O Lord, our God, you have much to tell us and much to speak to us. And as we sit and listen, let us be patient and quiet and calm, pondering your words deeply. In your name we pray, amen. It reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, and you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as my Father's commandments and abide in his love, as I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The comic family circus has a scene where brothers are scrumptiously eating their hot dogs around a family picnic table. And one brother, curious about why every 4th of July their family eats hot dogs, asks his brother. The brother turns, excited to share the nugget of knowledge that he has, and says, Today is a great day to eat hot dogs. We eat hot dogs on the 4th of July because that's what our fourth fathers always ate. I think he missed the mark a little. And it's true that our 4th of July holiday, well, it's become a little bit about barbecues and that white cake adorned with red strawberries and blueberries to be a flag pattern. But that's not what the 4th is about. It's not about finding the prime firework-watching location, but it's about knowing that those amazing firework displays last night are a semblance of the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air. The 4th of July is about helping the next generation share in 
this independence celebration, a remembrance from where our freedoms come from, our established principles, and where they are rooted. Passing on traditions rooted in deep traditions is not something we've found important, but something that God has found important. The word rooted, what a rich word. What a biblical word. The Bible puts forth quite a few words like this, rooted in, planted in, what we abide in, and of course, they all draw us closer to God. In Joshua, it says, have you been saturated in the law? In Psalm 1, it says, are you like a tree planted by streams of living water? In Matthew, it's the proverbial house built on a firm foundation. And in John 15, are you connected to the vine and abiding in Christ? Connections and source are important to God. And we see this in the image of the vine and the branches and the fruit produced from our scripture lesson today. God is the vine. We are the branches. And the fruit that is produced is only possible because we're connected to the vine. It would be physically impossible for an apple to just fashion by itself. Jesus said to his disciples, those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus is concerned, after all, about what we are rooted in. But that's not all. He's concerned with the branches that don't produce any fruit. They're removed. And he's concerned with the branches that produce fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he even prunes further and to make it bear more fruit. Careful and cautious as I am about what I'm rooted in, I got pruned the other week. There were some dead, suffocating branches that had grown out of me, so ugly and gnarled, and God came and got some sharp clippers and pruned those dead branches right off and threw the useless pieces into the fire and burned them to ashes. My pruning happened as I sat through a doctoral hooding ceremony at my alma mater, Fuller Seminary. A close friend I know was graduating with her doctorate. And knowing the great challenge of the class of Doctor of Ministry students sitting in front of her who have just accomplished something great, at one point the commencement speaker asked them to do something, us to do something. To push through these challenges and these barriers to get a degree as this, she asked, what are the lies about ourselves that we needed to get rid of? Not ridiculous lies like, oh, my hair is blonde, or I'm a professional bodybuilder, but the kind of lies that we tell ourselves in our head that we know are not true, but somehow our hearts hang on to them. I'll give you some examples. Maybe you can recall some of these knocking at your heart in a time of your life. If I dyed my hair blonde, I'd be more attractive. If I never succumb to vices, nothing bad will ever happen to me. 
because I have cancer, because I can no longer move the way I used to, I'll never, ever be well again. Or I don't have any problems with spending money. If I weren't so needy or noisy, the abuse would stop. Lies that we live our lives by, these are the kind of lies that we are asked at this particular seat that I was sitting in to think about. Now, having sat through many conferences and interactive sermons, I am used to these deep introspective questions, but I'm glad, oh, am I glad, that there wasn't time to talk in groups and share with one another about the lies that we had discovered about ourselves. Not because I am shy, not because I don't enjoy learning about other people, especially the folks sitting beside me, but because sitting in a large group of theology students, 80% of whom are middle-aged men and older like that, makes me feel small. There are some ways to immediately gain respect in a new community, a new chair, a new seat sitting in a group, and being a young woman early in her ministry career is not one of them. And although I know in my head that I am every bit as important, as worthy as all of my colleagues, even that megachurch pastor who I recognize from all of the podcasts that I watch of him, I have found in my heart a few tangled up lies. The lie I thought of was, my worth is dependent on what other people think of me. And now since this sermon isn't about me, I'd like you all to ask yourselves the question, is that a lie you've been telling yourself? My worth is dependent on what other people think of me. My prayer is that you are also pruned. Now, Jesus used such common elements to help us understand deep principles. How common and needed and connected was this, in this particular society was the vine. Well, it was used for grape production. Of course it was needed. They were also very connected to bread. Bread is a staple of our diet here today and for the world for all time. In an interview with a French graphic designer, Arthur Coulette, he notes how integral this starchy staple has been for humanity. I mean, our society is based on wheat, It's a direct link between our culture and our agriculture. And so Coulet, who he says, loves bread. And we understand why. Have you ever walked into a bakery where the fresh smell of bread is in the air and you just have to have some? Breads heighten any meal, many desserts. And though we've been making, we as a society, civilization, have been making bread for over 30,000 years, in recent years, bread has come under attack So Coulet decided to make it the subject of his art series entitled The Gluten-Free Museum. It's a Tumblr, which is a website where you can post some pictures. And the posts are images of classic and popular art or iconic movies or TV shows, all with bread references, but gluten-free, taken out. Here's a few of Coulet's gluten-free works. Humor Me, The Cake Slice by Wayne Thavall 
It's a Neapolitan cake slice on a plate alongside its gluten-free version, just a plate. Or a Eucharistic still life by Salvador Dali. It captures the essence of Jesus' miracle of the loaves and the fishes, just with empty spaces where the loaves would have been. Would have left that crowd of 5,000 a little hungrier, wouldn't he have? Or the American Gothic by Grant Wood, who's famous for the straight-faced farmer wife and his husband, but without their hay pitchfork. Or the classic Homer Simpson, without a donut in his hand. My favorite, though, was the spaghetti scene from Walt Disney's Lady and the Tramp, without the connectivity of the spaghetti. Now, not trying to be a critic of either side of the gluten-free world that you might be in, Coulet wanted to give people an opportunity to see the familiar art pieces in this new light, playing on the trends of the gluten-free diet. This gluten-free museum is a way to draw attention by casting humor, and by casting humor, he also drew us in deeper. It's just not the same without the bread. Let me say that again, pointing to another picture I'd like you to see. It's just not the same without the bread. Another bread image. As World War II was drawing to a close, the Allied armies gathered up many hungry orphans. They were placed in camps where they were well fed. And despite their excellent care, some of them, most of them, still slept poorly. They seemed nervous, they seemed afraid, and finally they had a psychologist come in with a solution. And each child was given a piece of bread to hold as they were put to bed. And this particular piece of bread wasn't to eat. This bread, this piece of bread, was producing wonderful results. The children knew when they went to bed instinctively that they would have food the next day. And this guarantee gave the children a restful and contented sleep. The bread was a physical, tangible representation of a greater connection. Jesus says, abide in me. Be connected to me. Build your foundation on me. Come to this table with this bread, a product of the earth, and with this grape juice or wine, a product of the vine, and be nourished. Let our communion that we have later on today be shared as a product of our connectedness to God. Amen? Amen.